Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall. Hello and welcome to CTN. To learn more about the show, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. The topic today is facilitating seamless patients and joy in healthcare. It's a case study. The New York Presbyterian healthcare system actually embarked on a journey with a mission that they want to maximize patient experience and outcomes. And this essentially would require that they give a pretty good, seamless, and connected experiences for the patients, but at the same time, don't ignore or in fact bring joy to the very healthcare practitioners who make that healthcare happen. But how do we do that? So you got to engage with the local community to understand the patient needs. You got to give the tools to the practitioners who are going to do their job. And then you want to use things like EHR or secure messaging system, or now the telehealth or the virtual health aspect, which is telemedicine for its patients so that they engage better and they enjoy the benefits of these emerging technologies. So to that end, it's it's a lot of complex and challenging type of transformation which a healthcare system will have to go through. And that's what it looks like has happened with New York Presbyterian. And we have the healthcare business and IT leaders who have to join hands to make the almost seemingly impossible thing happen and make it possible. So to discuss this, how it was done, what were the challenges? We thought of inviting Leo Bodden, who is the group vice president and chief digital and technology officer with the New York Presbyterian Hospital to talk about this. Hey, Leo, how are you? I'm doing great. Good afternoon, Sanjok. Good afternoon to you. And we also have Richard Evans, who is the senior vice president and chief experience officer with the New York Presbyterian Hospital. Hey, Rick, how are you? Doing fine. Good to be with you. Great. So let's start with you, Leo. So, you know, to set the stage, let's let's discuss about the challenges that prevent organizations who could create a healthy team dynamic. Sure. Well, uh, I'll speak about this, the challenges for us specifically. Uh, for us, we saw unprecedented growth over the past 10, 15 years, uh, whether through acquisitions, mergers. Uh, we went from a two-hospital system to an 11-hospital system, from a roughly 60-practice organization, 60 to 100-practice organization, to over 450 practices. And then we are very fortunate to be part of, uh, uh, be the, the university hospital for two uh, medical schools, Columbia University Medical School and Weill Cornell Medicine. And so that created for us some uh, complications uh, that that were uh, somewhat uh, unexpected at the time. We didn't think through what the impact would be to our patients. Uh, with this growth, we made things far more complicated than they needed to be. Along with that, uh, we through through those acquisitions, through that growth, we also ended up with too many tools. 
too many tools that our clinicians, uh, the folks at our access centers, all the people that are responsible for engaging our patients needed to use in order to facilitate the access for our patients, in order to simplify the overall process uh, for, for our patients. And with all of that, we made it more complicated, more frustrating for them because these tools weren't, weren't talking to each other. So if you think through the complexity associated uh, uh, with, with that, that growth, with the system that we became, and then you transition from, from the complications, the confusion to the overall cost, too many people had to be involved, have to be involved in order for our patients to gain access to the organization. And that has also an associated cost. So now you have the cost of the, the people, you have the cost of the tools. And then with all of that, you have frustrated uh, uh, patients who are trying to get our services, who are trying to get access to us as an organization. So we started with this interesting question about team dynamic, and I started that is because when things don't come together as different groups of people trying to work together, that's usually because there's a lack of intent or some things are not working. And to that end, you mentioned, uh, Leo, that the technology was sometimes complex to be utilized, and, and that's what kind of prevented them from fully exploiting it and coming and working together as much. Now, Rick, coming to you. You come from an experience standpoint, so you almost watch what is happening and also are instrumental in creating what should happen. If you were to define your holy grail of something where you have taken the patient experience and making it, you make it seamless, and at the same time, you bring joy to the healthcare practice, what would that look like? Well, that's just a small question. I uh, <laughs> that's huge. Uh, the holy grail is um, well. Let me back up. Patient experience and team experience, provider experience, staff experience are are are, are inexplicably linked. I'm sure we would all agree with that, right? You've got to have engaged staff. Engaged staff help um, engage our patients. So you've got to look at both those. Whenever you're thinking about experience. And the, the fundamental elements of experience, really, we, we get all kinds of feedback from our patients. It comes down to two things, communication and confidence and good communication between team members, between caregivers and patients and their families. When you've got that communication working well, the patient knows what's going to happen next. They have a sense of the trajectory of their care. They that creates confidence, that creates a good experience. And by the way, when that happens, our team members are happy too, because they feel like they're able to accomplish, they're able to accomplish their goals. The Holy Grail is um, a system that meets both our ex the expectations of our patients and our uh, care teams. What does that mean? That, and Leo alluded to some of it. It's connectedness, it's nimbleness, it's multi-channel communication, right? So if you're going to educate patients and engage with them, it can't be in one mode. It can't just be spoken. It's got to be communicated in other ways. So you have to create systems, an ecosystem really of communication that uses multiple modes that's just in time 
It works when it's needed. And that allows people to come together, both care team members and patients and families when they need to come together so that there's coordinated communication. I mean, we talk about suffering in healthcare. We oftentimes think about patients being sick and that is there is suffering in being sick or, or not knowing what's happening. We inflict suffering on our patients and our staff when we don't have that integrated ecosystem of connection. That's the holy grail. So, Leo, when you hear what uh, Rick said about the holy grail, did you get a white sheet of paper with a holy grail painted on it and you put your existing organization's status as if it was holy grail was a stencil and you found a delta and that triggered this need for transformation? Or was there some other factors that pushed all of you to say, folks, yeah, business can keep running as usual, but we got to take a pause and you know, fix these things? Yeah, that's a that's a great way to present that question. And I, I think the, the hard answer, and I, I'd love to hear your thoughts, Rick, on this as well, is, is no. That, that's not how this all began. I think anecdotally, we all have known that, that there was a problem and that there was a much better way of doing things. Uh, actually, uh, Rick, I hear you say all the time, uh, in, in order to get access to services in this organization, you need to know someone. And we all have a person that we know that we reach out to when we ourselves want to schedule an appointment for anything or want to uh, want to see see a doctor for any issue, any service, and and so we've all recognized that that that's been an issue. Uh, as as Rick mentioned, as far as the the holy grail and where where we wanted to be, uh, we 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 began seeing more and more of a breakdown as we got bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, we, we, we lost count of how many times we had patients reach out to us because they were always landing at the wrong access center. They would wanna go to one of our facilities and they would call into uh, the, the wrong facility. Uh, we, have, we are part of a, of a multi-organization system each organization was building its logic, its processes, and educating and engaging their people on what needed to be done. But to our patients, we are one and the same. And so one of the big tasks that actually I have to recognize Rick for this, because he's the one that's been leading this initiative and leading everybody, was for us to recognize how our patients see us. And, and so, so for me, in adding to what, what Rick said, is we as an organization recognize the patient CNYP as the, as the healthcare provider, whether you are a physician working for one of our many medical groups, for one of our um, uh, university partners, our Columbia Doctors Organization, our Wild Cornell Medicine Physicians Organization, and so for, for our patients is, is one and the same. I think we reach that holy grail when we are able to present ourselves as one to our patients. Mm -hmm. And that has a lot of underlying technology. But with all of that, the technology piece is going to be the easy part. What's going to be really difficult and is something that I, I watch as Rick manages these conversations day in and day out, and I do my best to, to help him out, 
is is getting getting everyone on board to present to our patients hey we are one doesn't matter which way you're coming in uh, you are going to get the same services. You're going to get the same level of respect and recognition that you would at any one of our organizations. I might add to um, Leo, thank you. Um, there are other signals that have been clear for years. Um, look at the literature around uh, physician and, and clinic, clinician burnout. Look at the literature around patient expectations rapidly evolving. Many other industries are way ahead of us, you know, uh, in terms of meeting consumers, customers' needs and expectations. We, we are a lagging industry when it comes to dealing with those issues effectively. And our patients are tired of it. Um, they don't want to have to figure out. Uh, they want to go to the channel they choose and find what they need. That could be different channels at different times. It could be a phone call in one case or a website in another or a, a patient portal in another. And we've got to be able to offer offer that. So there's lots of evidence out there, lots of signals. And then the pandemic came, which only accelerated. So one of the things that the pandemic did almost everywhere is everything that was sort of not ideal about healthcare, it, it brought it into stark relief, whether that's equity in healthcare or, but also these issues, convenience, access, um, were, were brought into stark relief. And we have we have we simply have to adapt or we will not be a viable healthcare organization. And you mentioned Holy Grail, I like that image because Holy Grail means you're never quite all the way there. You've got to continue to strive for it. You have to try things and learn and and, and you have to keep up with expectations, both of our caregivers and, and colleagues and the patients and families that are out there. Now, while I, I, I appreciate you recognizing the value of using the Holy Grail concept, but now let me throw another curveball here. Because if you start putting Holy Grail as your picture, which you're going to strive for, that really doesn't translate very well into a good business case, which the CFO is going to sign off on. Because they want numbers, they want results, they want metrics, they want ROI. So we can't start on that altruistic journey to say, let's make a difference. Give me a $20 million. So how did you go about building the business case? Leo, this is for you. Sure. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go with, with the analysis that, that uh, me and, and my team led. Um, again, as I mentioned before, it began with the anecdotes. Where, where do we think the opportunities lie? Um, as as it turns out, when when we started doing our our research uh, to ultimately come up with with our total cost of ownership, uh, we we recognize how many people are involved in in the current state, or I'll say the the original state, in order to provide some of these services. Uh, more specifically, in order to help our patients gain access to our organization, uh, we. We were able to determine that that it's a bit over 105 million dollars per year to sustain that program, uh, and that's primarily people, but it does include a subcomponent of technology. As as we went further and further, and we recognize what are the opportunities if we centralize our programs, if we begin leveraging the technology more effectively, more efficiently, where do we see ourselves? 
And where we saw ourselves was in a position where we're probably going to be somewhere around 60 to $65 million in total cost of ownership once we are done with the full build of the program. Now, that's on a cost basis, uh, not the opportunity cost associated with the patients that can't gain access. And, and that's probably, Rick, where I'll need a bit more help from you uh, what the data is showing is that we could probably, or we can fairly uh, conservatively increase our volume by 20%, but we're going to have to track that and continue to gauge our capacity and, and make sure that we're able to deliver those types of returns, uh, given what, what the significance of that is. But for a CFO, if you say, hey, today you're at $106 million, and tomorrow you're going to be at roughly 60, 65 million, and that's ongoing in perpetuity. I think that that becomes a significant argument on a cost basis. And I think that is um, uh, where we ultimately were able to gain some of the traction that we ultimately got from the, the entire organization. And again, I would add to that, um, you know, the work we're talking about, Leo's right, we can, we have tons of opportunity to become more efficient, tons of opportunity, as do most health, most healthcare organizations. Having said that, this is not a cost um, cutting effort. This is a growth uh, effort. It is focused on meeting the expectations of our customers and our clinicians. You know, doctors don't like walking into an exam room and having the wrong patient there. Um, you know, doctors don't want lines out there, offices waiting for care as, as well, particularly the kind of care we offer, which is world-class and, and highly expert. So what we're trying to do here is grow um, and, and meet our patients' uh, needs. So our, our plan has included efficiency, but it also includes where we think we can grow, um, where those opportunities are, better understanding our own capacity and acting to increase that capacity. You know, you can have a beautiful front door, you can have beautiful web and phone, but if there's not appointments behind it, you've got a facade. So those are the kind of things we're looking at. It's it's a comprehensive um, growth strategy that happens to also yield efficiency. When you mention about the growth side, right, could you quantify that in the same way you could quantify cost? Sure, absolutely. You can look at um, fallow capacity. You could look at um, lag time for patients to get appointments. Um, you can look at um, uh, referrals within our organization and how we're responding to those. There's lots of, of um data out there that helps us understand how we can do this better. And then I might add, there's patient feedback. We live in a market in, in New York that is very digitally savvy. Not that, you know, other places aren't, but more than, you know, we've got data more digitally oriented than other parts of the country. We also live in a market that if I can't get what I need, I will easily go somewhere else. Uh, I could walk out this door right now, the office I'm in, roll a bowling ball and hit another superb uh, hospital. Literally, that's how easy it is. And if I really could roll the bowling ball a little further up the avenue, I could hit it, a, another. So, you know, there's lots of data that that we can look at to show why this needs to be done and how it needs to be done. So, Leo, I'm sure uh, since it was a transformation which was founded on technology, to quite an extent, not everything was technology, but there was quite a bit of it. 
and you you run that when you had to get the stakeholders who were part of the technology group or even the business side and then your own team and the corresponding user base because everybody needs to get involved in this right how did you go about doing it especially when we know among all other industries healthcare is also up to our up to their gills each person in healthcare is working very hard right now yeah um first i'll say and i'm sure rick will back me up uh it's still ongoing right this is this is a never ending process uh we have to engage and reengage our people uh rick has to do that for his team i have to do that for my team we together have to do it for the rest of the organization and so it's something that that as as organizations we can't assume that it's a one and done it's it's not a one and done uh the uh, now going to to answer your question more directly uh education was critical uh uh painting a picture for our organization as to what we look like to outsiders what we look like to ourselves giving them a 50,000 foot view uh so that they recognize oh my goodness it is so difficult for our patients it is so difficult for our providers uh one of the uh one of the the statistics that we were able to find through our analysis is that on average it takes 2.7 or it used to take 2.7 staff touches per call per person per patient calling in in order to get to the right spot to the land, the the correct landing spot and with all of that we were failing for uh 60% of the time so only 40% of of the time were we successful in giving the patient what that patient was looking for when our when our teams began understanding that they all recognized across the board that something needed to be done uh that of course for our, for our finance team presented a tremendous amount of opportunity because if we're able to do this more effectively if we're able to do this more efficiently you immediately can see how hey if you if that patient lands at the appropriate front door you immediately eliminate 65% of our volumes which translates to to overall cost opportunities and that's before you automate that's before you give uh, our patients the ability to do what what rick mentioned which is you know multi channel or what i would like to call omni channel you want to give our patients the ability to start by whichever method by whichever channel they want to gain access to our organization and if for whatever reason that fails allow them to transition to something that may be more suitable for what they need and so so going through that level of analysis and then the iterative iterative uh education uh that we went through um was was critical uh then as things began to evolve pulling all the stakeholders in and reminding them of what they had done what had already been achieved how they took part in all of that and i watch rick do that all the time where he brings all these folks to the table and he pinpoints where they were able to impact change and it's been it's been the only way that we've been able to move this forward uh as i mentioned before this is a problem that's not new uh but this is the first time that we can actually see a light at the end of the tunnel and that's not an oncoming train 
I, I want to also share something that uh, any of the listeners might benefit from because it's a lesson we've learned the hard way. Um, I, first of all, this work we're describing, um, I've never been more proud of a piece of work I'm associated with. I've also never been so challenged by a piece of work. This is the hardest thing I've ever done in healthcare. And um, we've lived through a pandemic. <laughs> there, you know, this is really hard. Why? It's touching everybody's stuff. Everybody's stuff. Um, providers' schedules, the way offices run, the way contact centers run. The change management piece of this cannot be underestimated, and we underestimated it. And so we've had to do catch up um, and really work on the change management because everyone needs to understand what's in this for me? What's going to be better about this? And, and it's still a work in progress here because there's a lot of folks that um, don't quite see it sometimes or, or are happy with the way things are. And I'm not, I'm not um, casting aspersions against anyone. If you're going to do this in your organization, don't under-resource the change management piece. It needs to be funded. There need to be people thinking about this. There are experts, as we all know, and they need to be engaged in part of the process because we're doing, quite frankly, some makeup work that if we had done the change management better in the beginning, we'd be a little further along. So that's a lesson we learned. I like hearing when other people are doing stuff, what did you learn? What would you do differently? That's something we learned. And I would encourage everyone who's listening and thinking about this to attend to that. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And when we come back, so Leo, let's talk about execution. So, you know, Rick mentioned about change management, which is what will happen when you start doing things. Now, at the same time, we also have this issue about healthcare cannot be paused because people's lives are at stake. And here you are trying to rebuild a plane while flying it. How did you pull that off? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjog Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Rick, we need to disrupt and you needed to disrupt in in your case right to do disruption so that cost wise and value creation wise you had to rethink reimagine but then you can't stop anything that happens in healthcare so did you create two teams did you give people bonuses though they have two heads what did you do if only we could have done that um, <laughs> <laughs> um but we couldn't and so uh you know i'll be very transparent um it required, it's required a lot of work on a lot of our parts. Um, it's almost become a second job uh, for many of the people who work on this project. And even in an organization as big as ours, the universe of people that are really on point for this, is not as big as you might think. 
Uh, and we're constantly working with each other around, okay, wait, how can we sequence this? How can we put it together? Now, the fortunate part, fortunate in quotes, is that this is something that's really hard to do Big Bang because of the change management stuff we were just talking about. So we've chunked it out um, in terms of uh, elements that we're putting in place and, and um, parts of the organization as they're coming in. Uh, and every chunk is hard because it's, it's, it's the whole process of change management done again. So you know, what we're trying to do here is, um, and, and sometimes doing it well, and sometimes quite frankly, stressing a lot of us out, but we've got to change We've got to change rapidly and we've got to just do that while we're doing our day job. I just be honest. Now the organization has NYP has put an investment in this. We've invested a hundred million dollars in this effort to make sure that we've got enough people. There are people that had to be added to our IT teams, to our deployment teams. So we have added resources, but the burden on the folks still doing the work every day is there. And, and we're trying to balance it to the best of our ability every day. It's a challenge. So, Leo, your team was invited to help enable this transformation, but you were also part of the transformation where the, your own people's mindsets, practices, um, biases, or inertias had to be re-looked at. So what did you do in that on that front so that IT at no point be seen as someone which is a hindrance and or slowing the business transformation down? Yeah, and and I think you know we we happen to be fortunate now. I'll I'll say it's different for for every organization. So each organization has to determine their their current state as they're taking on an initiative like this. Uh, it just so happens that for us, we were already on a standardization transformation initiative, uh, which began in 2016, but really took off in 2017. Uh, I talked about before the unprecedented growth that we had seen. We ended up with nine EMRs, hundreds of clinical workflow applications. And it just so happened that in 2021, as we were, as this digital initiative was taking off, we were tapering in those areas. We had standardized a lot of the platforms that, that are leveraged by the, the clinical teams, the operations teams in the organization. So we're very fortunate that we were already in the middle of major change and we were also, I, I want to say, kind of coming out uh, of the pandemic, which allowed our teams to, to work far more closely together than they ever had before. We got to see the best and the worst of ourselves, and that allowed us to, to build a better team, to foster better team dynamics, which were absolutely necessary for the, as, as Rick mentioned, you know, a lot of people were very frustrated many, many times. There were many conversations, late nights, uh, early mornings, where we talked through all that needed to happen for us to be successful here. Um, I, I, I do need to recognize our team, our technology team, because they were, they were already used to that. It wasn't a big leap to jump to this next level of transformation. But even with all of that, like Rick said, we walked away learning a ton. 
uh, the first and foremost was that this was absolutely a change management initiative, not a tech initiative. I would, I would probably argue, and, and Rick, I'd love to hear your thoughts, uh, even more than a people in process, it really was change and change management. Mm-hmm. 100%. So when we are talking about all the work that was done, and I'm sure you had some great times and you had some bruises too. Leo, let's talk about the learnings. <clears throat> Yep. Um, on the on the learning front, and and you know I add you know what what would we do different? Uh, there were a couple of things. There are a couple of things that that we need to consider, and and it's something that will will be top of mind for for Rick, myself, and and the rest of the organization. Uh, truly understanding the patient journey from beginning to end. Uh, as, as Rick mentioned, you know, we, can, we can solve the issues of access. We can open up the floodgates and have our contact centers work flawlessly, have our, our um, digital platforms, whether web or, or, our, or our apps uh, working perfectly. If, if our security, our, our uh, security desk, our information desk isn't ready, that causes problems. If our registrars, our reception are not ready, if our exam rooms are not all fully aligned, those are things that I would reconsider. And it would probably we would benefit from going back over and over and making sure that we continue to align those programs more cleanly and seamlessly. The other piece, and this is one that for me, is uh, I'll say it's a skeleton and I'm, I'm somewhat embarrassed because we didn't, we, we knew that it was an issue, but we really didn't focus as much as we should have um, uh, given how focused as an organization we are in health equity. And that's the access for our patients who are deaf or hard of hearing. That wasn't top of mind going in. Uh, we had to uh, get a call from a patient and and actually it was somebody on Rick's team that elevated this to us uh, for us to recognize, oh my God, that is something that we really need to focus on and it has to be part of our program as we build out solutions. And now we are uber focused on chatbots and we've done a lot of analysis. We have far more statistic statistics than I ever knew existed in order to help us achieve those capabilities. And so, so that's another piece that, that I would do differently. One, patient journey. The second one being the health equity, making sure that we're uber focused on that uh, just as much as we are on the cost uh, processes and the people. You know, the only things I would add to that, Leo, I think those are great summary. Um, when you're dealing with access, you have to think about the front and the back, um, just like you do in a physician's office, right? There's people at that front desk, and then there's there's providers in the back, and how those teams work together to support one another, um, and really thinking that through. And we've had to add practice operations capability and elements to this as we've gone forward. Sometimes you focus so much on the front end and the, on the technology piece, you, you forget that really... The front and the back have to be one team 
And in the case of a contact center, for example, or a website, the front and the back aren't even anywhere near each other, right? They're not in the same space. Um, we're, we're shifting that. So thinking about those dynamics is really important. And that kind of relates back to change management as well. And then alignment of incentives. If something like this comes across to doctors is, okay, we're turning up the treadmill, um, that's not going to fly. Uh, we've got to figure out a way, as you said, you used the word at the beginning of this, where is the joy here? It, you know, where is a practice going to feel better when maybe their phones are ringing less or they've got the right patient in the right, on the right exam table every time when our expertise is really being leveraged, our clinical expertise to its fullness. Like there has to be, and by the way, contact center agents also want, need joy in their life. Um, imagine if you create a system where an agent feels like they're really helping somebody, that they're able to be effective. There's joy there. So those are, those are some other things I think we're, we're learning and, and um, exploring further as we go forward. So as a result of this experience, the journey that you've had thus far, so Rick, were there any specific things were, which were constructive feedback you were able to give to technology and Leo then anything you could have told to the business folks? It's not that you don't collaborate, but in this context, did some specific feedback, which was actionable, which was provided, which got you guys to elevate your respective groups to the next level? Gosh, we give each other feedback every <laughs> single day. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I mean, we, we, we have really had to be joined at the hip and there have been some really pleasant conversations and then there have been some um, unpleasant conversations. And I think we have different um, domains of expertise. So Leo's team, for example, man, you give them something to deploy, it's going to get deployed, right? And it's, it's going to get done uh, uh, on time. And that's fantastic. I think Leo's team has learned from my team about, well, how has everybody experienced that deployment, right? And, and I'm making, they're not, it's not that black and white between us. It's not, it's not like the Leo's team doesn't understand some of those human elements or that we don't understand deployment, but we've had a constant dialogue daily, daily, um, day and night, weekends, <laughs> around how we can leverage our domains of expertise. Um, and again, some of those have been joyful and pleasant and some have been um, you know, really direct because we're learning from each other and leveraging each other's expertise. So Leo, let's see if we can, I mean, you mentioned that you were able to quantify the value, there were metrics involved. If you were to think about a lot of different numbers that float around in any, you know, any initiative or as reported to the management or to the board or to the shareholder, whatever the yep. case might be. But we have seen that many times these transformation initiatives have a number of things that happen, but which ones are impactful truly? And which were the practical changes which will help the organization moving forward? So would you be able to inventory, and I'd love to get Rick's point of view on that one as well, the actual value that got created? Sure. And, and this, this is going to be, I'll just caveat by saying that it's going to be a, a work in progress, uh, mostly because we are still in the middle of our journey. Uh, but when we look at the statistics, the one glaring one is that we saw a drastic decrease in overall volume. Volume meaning call volume. 
Um, we, we expect it to be at a certain number. We're at a much lower number, actually, depending on, on where you look. It's somewhere between 20 and 38% uh, lower volume than we were seeing before. Um, and so, so that does not mean that less people are calling. It simply means, if you remember, I mentioned the 2.7 calls or, or people touches uh, per call. It just simply means that we're doing things more efficiently, more effectively. Uh, so, so that's one pit, one piece. Uh, the other one, and and I, you know, I want to make sure that we, you know, again, we caveat by saying that we're still tracking, is that we actually saw a, roughly a nine, a nine to twenty-one percent increase in appointments. Uh, but again, it's still too soon to tell. That's just the uh, the latest information that we have available, and we're going to continue to track as we as we deploy more and more programs, as more programs join the collective. Uh, the last piece, um, given the 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 value that uh, that that you're talking about, or more specifically, more directly uh, responding to that question, is that we saw a 500% increase in self service. Now, the thing is, because we were so low, 500% really only translates to roughly 9% of the total appointments being scheduled, um, having been done through self-service. But still, that is a drastic increase from where we were just two years ago. I mean, go ahead, Sam. Yeah, Rick, go ahead and share your thoughts on the actual value. And I wanted to also get... Clarity on that joy part, which you guys said as part of the initiative, that you will bring the joy in the healthcare practice. What was the value, tangible, intangible, that was delivered on that front? Yeah, so I would say um, uh, a couple of things. Um, again, Leo said, work in progress. We, we've also deployed CRM as part of our solution. So we're learning things data-wise from our CRM mm-hmm. system about our patients' needs and being able to increasingly match that with what we've got, <laughs> urgent slots versus non-urgent slots, et cetera. Um, we're understanding our patients' preferences in a deeper level. Again, beginning of the journey, we're even learning as an organization, well, CRM, we believe in CRM, but we're learning how to use it, right? Um, and that's unfortunately a new thing in healthcare around the country. I get calls every day now, like, how are you using CRM? What are you understanding? It's, it's not new elsewhere, but it's new it's new here. Customers are telling me like I like it better. Leo mentioned going from three calls to one. Well, that's real, tangible value. I didn't have to f- call around and, and find people. And they're telling us they like that. They like first call resolution. In terms of joy in our practices, again, work in progress. We're learning a lot. Um, far from done on the journey. But if you had a practice that um, did not have staff to answer the phones, we've had practices that had... Um, astronomical abandonment rates because there was no one to answer the phone. It wasn't their fault. There just wasn't people there. You bring an abandonment rate from 50 or 60% down to less than 5% on a day-to-day basis. That's good for the practice um, and the team there. So, you know, there's a lot of ways we're looking at this. Um, It is a work in progress. Um, We've also, I mean, let's be totally transparent. We've also learned things that don't work as well. Um, we're, We're struggling, not struggling, but really working through triage 
and where that's done and how it's done in, in either in a contact center or a practice. So there's still lessons to be learned and played out, but the initial data, customers are happier. In many cases, our practices are feeling better because they're able to manage their, their volume of, of, of approaches. Leo mentioned omni-channel. Um, that's good for both uh, our, our practice teams and for customers. So um, initial signs are very, very positive. More to, more to come, though. If, if I could add just, just one point of, of emphasis to something that Rick shared, is that okay? Sure thing. So, so just to, to highlight what, what Rick mentioned regarding the calls that were landing at the practice and now are landing at one of our three contact centers, that's lower order work that was, that was taking away from the, the true work that those practices needed to do in order to support our patients, in order to support our clinicians. In many cases, our clinicians uh, and our clinician leaders would have to be involved. All of that right off the top comes off, and now you've offloaded that, that lower order work from them, allowing them to work at the top of their licenses. So last question for both of you, and, and like for you to wear just a pure leader's hat, right? And you leaders appealing to other leaders in other healthcare organizations, because you are still a, a, a community which is helping the patient, where patient is at the focus. So Rick, starting with you, what would be your advice, your appeal, and thoughts about how the healthcare ecosystem slash healthcare industry can do something differently in terms of their leadership, their mindset, their culture, their handling of what, an understanding and handling of what patient needs so that we evolve as the overall value we create for our patients. Hmm. Well, the signals from our patients and customers are really clear they don't particularly like the experience. They're, they're grateful for the care we provide. And by the way, I've got familiarity with, I've had the fortune, good fortune at Mass General, as well as NYP. Um, I have colleagues around the country. This is true everywhere. There's too much friction. It's too hard. There's too much homework uh, being put on our patients and families' uh, hands. So what I would say to everyone is like, we must embrace transformation. We must... We say we're patient-centered, but are we really, or are we really centered around our schedules, the times we're available, um, and and are we really thinking about what our patients and customers want first? I think our hearts are in the right place. Sometimes our execution is not. So I would say, um, you know, as someone now who's been in this journey for a couple of years, won't lie to you, it's been really, really challenging, but it is legacy work for our organization. And it is absolutely an imperative for healthcare across the country. If we don't do this, not only will we not succeed, by the way, there's lots of other um, uh, influences. There's, there's other sectors of our economy that would like to buy up all the profitable parts of healthcare. We've got to be as good as everyone out there doing this work. And we, we've got to do it right for our customers and our patients. Leo? I think, uh, Rick, that was really well said. Uh, I'll, I'll start with, with a fairly uh, pragmatic perspective and then, then 
do a quick transition. Uh, on, from the most basic, make sure that you're aligning uh, as, a, as, an, as an organization, especially if you're a large organization, things like data structures, naming conventions, nomenclatures. Um, the, you know, one group may call something uh, one thing and another group may call that same thing something else. And so ensuring that level of alignment is critical. Uh, thinking through uh, how you will measure success is also very important, especially when you're working closely with your finance teams as, as Rick and I are. And so, so as an example, you know, if your objective is to, in the end, uh, through, through the simplification of access, through the provision of much better solutions, if the objective is to lower call volume, do not use a measurement, and I'm sure Rick is going to laugh, do not use something as cost per call to measure the level of success or, or the, uh, uh, make it a, a key performance indicator uh, for a finance team to come back and and really test your resolve and your success, and so it is it is critically important that that you align those objectives as you begin to measure uh, successes as you deploy and as you um, as you implement uh, uh, these these critical solutions for our patients. Uh, the other piece, and this is now more uh, time back to to um, where we need to be, that, that holy grail that you, that you called out before, really take a holistic approach to these services. It's not about the access or just about the access. It is really, really understanding that patient journey and look at every single step in that journey and where things might break down. I mean, we don't have enough time to go over some of the things that we learned as we traced a patient, as, our, our, as we found a patient uh, um, uh, go from, from our access center to, to one of our practices and have to do things all over again, which we expected had been done before they even walked in the door. And so really understanding that journey, really taking a holistic approach is gonna be critical to the success of any program that any organization wants to implement. Once again, thank you so much, uh, Leo and Rick, for sharing your insights and your journey where you attempted and have been very successful so far. And as you said, the show must go on. So you're on it in terms of facilitating a seamless patient experience and also at the same time, bring joy in the healthcare practice. So thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. And listeners, please like us on social media, subscribe to our podcast to listen to such interesting and very valuable conversations. This is Sanjog, all your talk show hosts signing off. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.